0: Well, good morning, and thanks for coming back. Uh, That's, if not encouraging, at least a promising sign uh, when people return. Uh, I hope. Yeah, I was concerned about this, and you know, and I talked about it before getting into it. That uh, there's certainly something to be said for a parenting seminar that is very practical. One, two, three. I have this situation. I have that situation. And there could be a lot of grace in that. This, by design, is meant to be broader and more principled, whether your child is 3 or 23, for that matter. Uh, so we're trying to stay on the big picture. But I hope in that, I hope it's not missing You know where some of you are living. And, and so we are going to keep honing in a little bit here. But uh, I know if you're at least like me, you know it's like, wait, no, I have this situation going on in my house with this child right now, and come on, tell me what to do about it. Uh, we're, we're looking more to the Lord here, in in the principled way He calls us uh, as parents, and I hope I hope that is helpful and and serving and uh, as well. Uh, just at the outset, last night uh, I was thinking about this in the ride in. Uh, my daughter Paige and her friend Abby, they uh, they had like a little girls' night with uh, Hadwe who uh, I. I I think you said it was one in the morning or whatever when you got done. And you know, as a dad, you just know like, <laughs> okay, I know my daughter really, she likes Hot so which that probably means she really opened up. So I'm, I'm guessing Hot even got a different lens through which she's listening to me this morning because I'm sure my daughter opened up about some things. And uh, so if you shake your head like this, Hot I'll take that to mean like, that's not what your daughter said last night uh, at all. But uh, I mentioned as well... Uh, we, we've, we've got four kids ranging in age from seven to 17, three girls uh, and a boy, and uh, I know there's more to come, but so far we, we've been through every season. We've been through the highs, we've been through the lows by the grace of God right now. Thank you, Lord, right now. I mean, I haven't talked to my wife this morning, but uh, the right now that I know right now, uh, by the grace of God, we're, 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 we're enjoying uh, this season of parenting, uh, my son is just met with his youth pastor uh, on Wednesday to uh, talk about baptism. Uh, which just so grateful to God uh, for that. That's his initiative. Uh, none of our kids have been baptized yet, uh, including my oldest. We've tried to communicate from early on that we want that to be your your decision. You. That's your time. Uh, it's not when you're going to do this so mom and dad look better, or you know dad's a pastor. You should probably get baptized. No, needs to be this faith is yours. You're walking. You have this relationship, and I believe I believe they do. But uh, we've wanted that to be with them, so we're 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 encouraged. We've 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 been through some some real lows. I just as God's providence would have it, I had breakfast with Al one morning uh, in one of those particular lows. That was like the day after. Uh, and I was so grateful to have a friend, a fellow father, uh, to just weep with in terms of, you know, the heartbreak that is parenting at times. It's heartbreaking because you love your children, right? That's what makes it heartbreaking. Otherwise it wouldn't it wouldn't impact us that way. You know, as we were coming in this morning, I was getting a little little nervous, a little concerned. I was moving the car and up to the front and Husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend—I'm not sure—but uh, in, a, in a pretty heated conflict, uh, and, and was just concerned that this, it seemed like it was escalating. And where's this going to go? And should I linger here a minute or get somebody? Uh, <clears throat> but at the end of the day, the concern only went so far. You know what I mean? Like I, I was concerned, but I hope everything works out. Now, had that been my daughter there with her husband, you know. That changes everything right I mean they're just we, we feel deeply uh, as we should because they're, they're they're us they're they're part of our flesh, and so hopefully the principles aren 't so broad that we 're not landing though uh, where it is you're living with i'm a i'm a switchfoot fan uh, for my daughter 's benefit she doesn 't have to hear this illustration this morning because they they think I have killed switchfoot because i 've listened to them too much uh, as a band but uh They've, they've got a song called In a World Where I Belong. And, uh, you know, the more I've enjoyed that song, the more i thought, wow, doesn't this describe so many of our children? What are they trying to do? They are trying to figure out where they belong. And it's not just when they become teens, it's, it's way younger than that. They're trying to figure that out. And, and, and some of the lyrics from the song, uh, Feeling Like a Refugee. Like it doesn't belong to me, this air feels strange to me they've got a they've got another song uh, where he says there's a stranger in the mirror wearing my clothes you know kind of that idea they're just trying to make sense of uh, of things there's there's this longing that's not always easy to articulate, and uh oftentimes that's that's just sort of bubbling under the surface with our kids, you know uh and so part of Part of our call as parents, as we continue here, is we've got this unique role given to us from God to come alongside our children to help them make sense of what in the world are they doing here? Why do they have this breath? Why do they have this life? That's, that's you know, Back to that question last night, what, what is success in parenting? I think another way to answer that would be, by the grace of God, we're helping our children to understand their purpose, why God put them here in the first place, that they could be in a relationship with him, that they could know a father beyond their earthly father. They could know a heavenly father. They've been made for a relationship uh, with him. And, And along the way, part of the way they're going to interpret that is who we are. As parents, and here's a sobering thought to start us out this morning, we, we are the God image for our children, more so than anybody else. We're the image bearers of God to our children from their earliest age. Whatever, whatever idea they're getting about God is largely being shaped by us, you and me together. And as our children are growing, transitioning from early childhood into adolescence, that's, that's meeting them in some real ways and in some real struggles. Uh, we've got a, a good friend of mine uh, back at Metro Life Church, her last name happens to be Osborne too, though we're not technically uh, related, but she, she's often quoted by others in the church as saying the struggle's real. It is. The struggle is real, and it's real uh, for our children in interpreting life. And all the things coming at them that want to vie for supremacy of interpretation. There's so much uh, coming at them. And you know, wherever I had this false idea when our children were younger, particularly our older two, that if we, you know, that through through homeschooling them and, and really having much more control over their environment and everything, that that, that was really going to sort of enable us to preserve the interpretive grid like that. That notion's out the window. Like I told you, my seven-year-old's loading my phone with apps. Uh, She doesn't need to be in school to go and uh, do that. And, uh, you know, as well, for us, uh, some of the greatest struggles our kids have had, it wasn't because our daughter went to public school or our son went off to that school. No, it was right in our own home because it's all coming out of the heart and, and that Longing to figure out, what in the world am I doing here? How do I fit? How do I belong? And all that presents battles for you and me as moms and dads. Uh, Emotions are swinging all over the place. Uh, There's temptation to feel so isolated in the midst of all. And it brings us back to this um, call we looked at last night in Deuteronomy. How How do we get in on all that? So let's just read it again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets before your eyes. You shall write them, on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Remember, something we said last night is: we've got the opportunity not to do these uh, mega dumps in a reactionary way on our children. We could do that. I want to suggest to you it won't bear much fruit. I want to suggest to you it'll bear like no fruit if we approach it that way. Or we can, in the in the spirit of Deuteronomy six, recognize that we've got the opportunity over the years with our children to repeatedly give them small doses in small increments in a relational incarnate way, the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, what's their purpose, why are they here, that they do indeed belong, and they've got a purpose for while they're here. So I think a primary task we have as parents is to give our children that, that sense of belonging, that sense of purpose, and in, and in very personable ways, relational ways. First, belonging in their thoughts. Uh, again, our two-year-olds aren't going to articulate this in the same way as a 12-year-old. In fact, a 12-year-old probably is going to f- struggle to even know if they're al- even allowed to articulate it, but our children long to know they're accepted. They long to know they have a place, whether they verbalize that or not. Acceptance will be sought. Uh, I mentioned one of my children, Ellie, uh, she she came with me last July to India. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. She had to raise $2,000, which, you know, you remember being 11? I mean, I don't have $2,000 laying around right now, but when I was 11, I definitely didn't and didn't have a clue as to how to go about that. And she just, this, this was looming, like, how is this ever going to happen? And, and so... We're praying through that, and I just asked her this question, do you believe the Lord is calling you to come with me to India? She said, I do. Well, then okay, honey. He will provide. And that began the whole fundraising process, and she's walking dogs in the neighborhood and doing everything she can to raise some funds. Well, we're we're getting closer to the time to go, and, and we had a, a unique opportunity to spend uh, a little more time than normal at the beach last summer. We were in Vero Beach. That's our... No offense to Hollywood Beach or your favorite beach, but Vero Beach is my favorite beach in Florida. Uh, and so we're there, and Ellie uh, is, unlike some of my other children, like when Ellie's downcast, it's evident. I mean, first of all, she's a very joyful girl, almost always happy, cheerful, bouncing around. So when she's down, it's it's pretty evident that she's down, and... Asking her some questions, she, she's being a bit evasive, uh, uh, and I didn't know why at first, but this is what it came down to. She, she was struggling and articulating it for the first time, like, that I believe in God, but I haven't seen Him. And then she was feeling guilty because she had, she, at this point she'd raised all her money. So we're, we're about a week away from leaving for India. And she is feeling this guilt over, I've got other people's money. And I'm going to go. And I'm struggling with who God is. And she's feeling guilty about this. And add to that, our children aren't only interpreting life. Our children have so many assumptions about you, about so many things. Well, part of her assumption, a silent assumption, let's never think because we don't know what they are that they don't have them, right? It was a silent assumption. Her silent assumption was this about her dad, me. You're a pastor. You're preaching all the time. You, are you your faith is like never shaken. Now, she didn't say any of that, but she was feeling that. And because she's feeling that, she didn't feel like she could share her struggle. And so then we got to get into a great conversation of, oh, honey, oh, I've had days. Oh, I've had moments. I've had seasons of, God, where are you? What is going on? I believe, Lord, you're powerful, but this situation, why aren't you moving in this situation and sharing with her that, honey, I... It's okay that you're asking these questions. In fact, I'm glad you're asking these questions because it's demonstrating that you're growing up. You're getting older and your questions are getting bigger along the way. You're not five anymore. You're asking 11-year-old questions now, not five-year-old questions after we chatted a bit, and, and we, we happened to be out on this balcony, and and I did, I said, you know, honey, it's kind of cool we're at the beach right now. Because there's something about being at the beach at night, looking out over the ocean where the lights of the city aren't clouding things. And you just take it in It's at least for me, I'm I'm, I'm kind of quiet in that moment. God, for all the things that I can't make sense of right now, none of this makes sense without you on the throne. And so these things I'm fighting for faith in right now God, calm them by your majesty, calm them by your creation calm them by the orderliness of it all calm calm my anxious heart knowing that I'm going to go to bed in a little bit and you're not going to you're not going to fall asleep everything's going to be right where it is right now in the morning in your creation because that's who you are, it's not just sharing these things with her but the point of it What came out of it was she realized it was okay to articulate faith struggles. Uh, It took us a little while to get there, but, but my point is this. There's so many things as our children are growing up where they're not sure what to do with their thoughts. They're not sure what to do with their questions. And they have silent assumptions about us as their parents. And ours is the task by grace of, of drawing those hearts out. I mean, what would Solomon say about the heart? How how deep are those waters? Wow. I mean, I don't know that I know my own heart, let alone trying to figure out my child's heart. And yet God has given us this privilege to to draw our children out. And it's crazy. Uh, it's absolutely crazy how, how quickly those questions come. I remember... You've all had this if you've got older children. I mean, so I'm listening to Ellie. We're out there on the balcony, and I'm having this adult conversation with an 11-year-old about faith, and I'm pleasantly distracted thinking, wasn't I just changing your diaper? You know, like, when did this happen? And it happened so fast, you know? And and it's that reminder that that, that we've, we've, we've got like a vapor of time to make this investment into our children, to... to to help them to understand their purpose and their belonging but but out there on the balcony that night this 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 other thought came is that no, no, this is Ellie our third child that okay we've entered a new season now with Ellie and and it's a season where a lot more listening is going to be called for uh, now my daughter, Anna, she's changing, but, but she's seven, and it just happened again yesterday. She'll call me, and, and she's just off to the races. It's like when I say hello, the gate on a horse track open, and she just runs with her thoughts, and they're everywhere, and they're all over the map. And you realize, if I only just listen right now, this is not gonna, she, needs, she needs like uh, reined in, you know? And like, Honey, honey, I'm so, can I interrupt you a moment? And you have to kind of catch her. Uh, and, 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 and bring her in, and the point isn 't that we don 't listen to our younger children, but they just don 't make sense a lot of the times, right? They, at some point you just you got to catch them you know when they 're breathing in between the thought uh, and, and try to redirect and steer that conversation another way, but as they 're getting older, that dynamic changes they, they just need time to to just talk. And, and air out their thoughts, and, and, it, and it reminds me of Proverbs 18.2. This is a season, I think, now that Melissa now that and I are in a season where we've got two and soon to be three adolescents, Proverbs 18.2 is screaming at us, a fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinion. It's time to understand in a way that when they were younger wasn't the same. It's not that we didn't want to understand when they were younger, but they, they're not reasoning in the same way when they're younger. And so I think that night on the balcony, and I'd love to tell you that I always get this right, I don't, but, but at least that night on the balcony it was clear that Ellie doesn't need a quick answer here. She doesn't, she doesn't need a quick, oh, you're struggling with faith. Well, Hebrews 11 says, faith's being sure what we hope for and certain what we don't see. You, are you good? Are we good? Okay, let's go get ice cream. Yay! That wasn't what she needed. She just needed, she needed to know it was okay, that she had questions, that she could have the time to articulate those questions. And here's something I'm learning as a dad, I, 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 I don't think this will surprise you, I find the things I actually do have to say are better, if I haven't said them quickly. In other words, if I'm taking the time to listen, and as listening, praying, Lord, what, that, that what I actually have to say might be better than had I just given them a quick response. So this is huge. I'm an impatient guy. And if you're at all like me at times, you, you, particularly as you've got more children, like, you know, for the ways they're different, some of the struggles are the same. And the temptation can be, well, let me just hit the play button on what I said to this child two years ago. And let's just save some time. Save whose time? My time. And what our children need if they're going to get a sense of belonging as they're growing is they need listening parents. They, they, they need a mom and a dad who will take the time, undistracted. Oh, this, wow, you want to talk about a backhanded rebuke? I don't even think they meant it to come off this way, but I got it loud and clear. I don't even remember which one of my children. It was Bennett, actually, my son. He said, Dad, he talked to you. He said, Set your cell phone down. Like, <laughs> kind of like, and when he picked up, he's like, yes, yeah, son, go ahead. You know, Chad, I'm just going to clear out some email while you talk to me. No, he said, put your phone down. He didn't say it disrespectfully, just like, I need, and he lied. he's like, I, I need you right here because I say that. So he said it back. He's like, I need you right here. <laughs> like, okay. Pretty sure where, I don't even remember, but I'm pretty, it, I'm, I'm going to guess it involved a purchase and he needed money or something, but get, I need you right here. Uh, and him selling me on the wisdom of the purchase or something. He's, act, he's a very good marketer. I was thinking of him yesterday at Florida Atlantic. They have a good marketing program here. I should remember this for Bennett. He's a very good marketer. Uh, our children need to know they've got our attention, that we're listening. It's not always easy. It takes work. But if our children have confidence, we we actually want to hear what's on their hearts and minds. The door to their heart just might crack open. And again, it's ours. Ours is the responsibility to create that culture. That that we, I want to know what's on your heart. What's on your mind. I want to know what you're struggling with. I, I wonder at times if a primary reason our adolescent children, our teens, I wonder if they're more open oftentimes with their friends than with mom and dad is because at the very least they feel like their friends understand or their friends won't be quick to judge. Now, if anything, I think one of the challenges for teens in their relationships with one another is that they don't challenge each other enough. They don't call them to account. And, and that's, there's something to be said for that. But on the other hand... I wonder if one of the reasons they'll be so open with each other is that at the very least they they, they know their friend's going to listen. They're going to be able to get their thoughts out. Uh, There are times, obviously, we need to speak up. We need to call our children to account. We need to call right from wrong. But first, we've got to establish a culture in our home where we're listening and learning to ask questions of them. I say all this to say, and we go through the Gospels, Jesus' ministry It was an incarnational ministry, right? He was among them, with them, and walking with them, and talking with them. And I think we're to model that with our children. We're among them. Jesus asked questions. He listened. He met people where they were. He interacted. He didn't stay far off in heaven and pontificate. He walked among us. Mom and dads need to walk among their children. Uh, yeah i'm getting older but i'm not so old that i've forgotten being an 11 year old i haven't forgotten being an eight-year-old i haven't forgotten being a teenager i haven't forgotten the turmoil of getting dressed the first day of school it's it it it's the things seem funny but you know, even, even when you're having lighthearted memory lane conversations with your kids, if we're paying attention, we pick up. Yeah, we're talking about this in a lighthearted way, but you have been carrying this with you for some time. So uh, yesterday in the car, you know, some of it's hyperbole, some of it's true, but Paige is talking about, oh, the dresses mom used to make me wear. And this is what so-and-so said about that dress on my first Sunday at Metro. And you like aware that, wow, that just, you, that 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 locked into you. So, so you were right away. Whether you're interpreting it right or not, you were you were in an acceptance battle right away, and mom and dad are oblivious in that moment. Ah, uh, you remember? I mean, have you forgotten some of those paralyzing mornings and moments? You know, just based on what you were wearing or not wearing, depending upon. What it was, I don't even think this brand exists anymore, but Wildcats was this shoe that you had to have when I was 12 if you were a guy. I don't even think they exist. I had tracks. Any of you wear tracks? If you shopped at Kmart, you did, because that's all they had. Yeah, we, we didn't go to the mall in late August in my house. We went to Kmart. It was one-stop shopping, uh, Rustler jeans and track shoes. Tracks, And that was fine until I was introduced to middle school and everybody was wearing something different. You see, the easy thing, a way to give my children a sense that they don't belong is to just be quick in dismissing those moments as if they're being petty, immature. Really, are you moaning over sneakers? Are you moaning over an article of clothing? You know, is it going to serve one of my children that moment to tell them, you know, son, you need to, you know what, dad can't buy you the $250 shoes. You're going to have to just man up and be happy with the ones you have. I mean, who of us have ever said that? And our child said in response, thank you, dad. I feel so much better. That's exactly what I needed to hear. I I just, I needed a reality check and I'm just so glad you're in my life. You know, can we go out to dinner later? (laughs) It's just not how it goes down. This, this was oh, this was prom year, like the worst year of my life because I have a daughter. It wasn't really the worst year of my life, but you just, it's just on right away. Like, oh, prom means prom dress. Oh, my goodness. It's hard for a teenage girl who wants to love the Lord with all her heart, but who also wants to go to her high school prom, which I think it's possible to love the Lord with all your heart and want to go to your high school prom, she she went with friends. She didn't go with anybody, and we were even asking her, "What about this guy?" No, no, no. Okay, well, she wanted to go. Dad, what do you think of this dress? Like, in as a dad, it's like I haven't even seen the dress. I don't like it. It's too short. It should be higher. It should be there. like I haven't even seen it. But that's just <laughs> this was a funny moment. Uh, there's a real among nice hotels in Orlando. We were at uh, her prom. Her high school prom was uh, at the uh, the Rosens. By the airport, big, big hotel, conference hotel, beautiful hotel. That That's where it was. So I had just gotten back from India, and so the jet lag, everything's all still whacked, but I'd already let her know, I will be there to pick you up at 11 p.m. Uh, from the prom. Her mom had driven her down. I was going to pick her up. She sent a text during it that uh, so-and-so can take me home. I send a text back, that's okay, I'll come and get you, you know, (laughs) and so I get there, I mean, I'm totally exhausted, and there's like, I don't know, about 10 dads, no moms, all dads, out there sort of mulling around, nobody knows each other, but finally somebody, some dad breaks the ice, he's like, I'm going to guess no one's here to pick up their son, am I right? And everybody starts laughing, because we're all there to pick up our daughters, it was just a funny moment. And she was beautiful. She was absolutely beautiful coming out of there. And just, you know, walking with her through that and letting her know, hey, you and mom have looked at this dress or that dress. Mom says it's good. I'm good with it. You know, because I don't want to be. I, I, I didn't. I didn't want her to go to the prominent turtleneck. I mean, I did want her to go to the prominent turtleneck, but I didn't want her to go to the prom. In a turtleneck, but you know, shoes and clothing and all these things. What are ways? What are ways you can enter their story? You know, Bennett, we've we've had that conversation a couple times. I'll hear about his friend who's got a new pair of shoes and all that, and uh, he's an only child. Uh, And so we we'll we'll talk sometimes a little bit of economics, the economics of four children uh, to one. Child, like I don't have four times the income. I just have four times the children, uh, and so that's that's how that goes. But 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 in, instead of it just being this, be grateful, be grateful, be grateful to to be able to talk about. Yeah, you know, I remember this trench coat I wanted, Bennett. Man, I wanted this trench coat. I thought this was the absolute coolest trench coat. It was a Gap. It was it was. Denim black with a leather collar, and looking back on it it's like looked ridiculous, but at the time, I just wanted this thing it was seventy dollars, and it was just beyond the budget and and I remember Bennett, you know nana, my mom, his nana uh this is this is this is what we have this is the budget and and uh, and and my mom was pretty good about that actually like you you know you have a job if you want to add to that. Go for it. So we, we talked that through. So I so said, I really did want that. Nana Nana was willing to pay half, and and, and I had to decide if, if, if it was worth enough for me to put the other half uh, into. And so the point of that just being, instead of it just being, hey, be grateful for what we have. Don't you know there's three other kids? If I spend all our money, da, da, da. You know, I remember what it was like to want to have something that made me feel like I fit in a little bit more. And again, the point here is not to say that's all we're saying to them or that we want them to get the notion that the the most important thing in your life at this point is that you fit in all the time. No. Rather, if we just quickly go to be grateful or don't you understand or this, all we've done is push them away. Uh, all we've done is communicate to them, I can't talk to you. I can't share with you. And... And I'm just telling you, my weakness, like, that. I, I want to get to, what, what's the end game here? What, what do you really need to hear? Let's just, let's just have that conversation, and then we don't have to do all this other upfront stuff. Doesn't work. It doesn't work. That's not a relationship. That's a dictatorship. That's just telling them, listen, I'm here for you. <clears throat> I'm here to tell you what you need, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not here to understand. They they need to know they belong. They belong in their thoughts. They belong in their quirks. They belong in the the different things they go through when they're younger, when they're older. <clears throat> you know, even even Anna at seven. I mean, every day it's something new. There's the must-have for Anna every day, and I, I love it because she's cute and the way she'll. Start to talk about it, she'll, she'll lead, this is her lead. Dad, don't say no yet, that's her lead. Because <laughs> she wants to explain it and the wisdom of this purchase and how this is going to transform her life and, and everything. But then listen and we're able to talk about, you know what, honey? I understand because it may not sound fun to you, but I want a new floor and I want a new car at the same time but I don't have money for a new floor and a new car at the same time. So I have to wait. Do you like to wait, Anna? No, yeah, me neither. We could talk it through. And, and you know, is, is it making her happy all the time? No. But, but, but is there a little bit more by way of relationship and understanding? I think there is, by the grace of God. But what about in their sin, though? Belonging in their sin. Here, here, you came to hear this. You didn't know this already. Your children will sin. So you glad you came. <laughs> Your children will sin. Maybe sometimes really big sins. Uh, the older they get, the it seems the more they cost, so to say. They're going to get hurt. They're going to hurt others. They're going to hurt you. And yes, our children, they need rules, they need instruction, they need correction, they need discipline, consequence, of course, all those things, but, but they also need belonging in their sin. That mom and dad are not so unlike me that they're coming off like they can't relate to me or understand me in my sin. Here's a trustworthy saying deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. I think all Paul is trying to say is not that he necessarily literally was the biggest sinner that ever lived of all time, but he knew his heart better than he knew anybody else's heart. So as far as he knew, he was the utmost. As far as I know, I don't know anybody's heart as well as I know my own. In my house, I am the biggest sinner I know. I'm the oldest as well, so I probably literally have sinned more than the rest of them, but I am the biggest sinner I know because I know me better than I know them. I can relate to them, whether I want to acknowledge that all the time or not. I can relate to them. Remember again, we're the image bearers, especially when our children are younger, but even as they're growing up, we are the primary image bearers of God to our children. Among God's many attributes, one of them is that he's merciful. How do our children get to know that about God? From us. God draws near to the brokenhearted. He will not crush a broken spirit. But I know sometimes I've crushed the broken spirit of one of my children. You know, even sin doesn't—it doesn't call for the exact same response each time. There, there, there's different things going on. We may need to warn, rebuke, encourage, plead any number of responses. But 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 what what needs to come through? Hopefully, what is coming through to our children? in those moments is is that the chief concern of my heart toward you right now, son or daughter is not how this has affected me as much as how it affects you and the Lord and you experiencing his goodness and his grace That, that, that my chief concern here is to help your heart to, could be to see the lie you believe, this would make me happy. To see the, the way in which you didn't, you didn't foresee consequences that were going to come out of that. It could be any number of things, but the point is, I, I can relate to you in your sin. I, I've had moments when I have bought that lie, son or daughter, that this is what will make me happy. Even though it's a direct contradiction to what God says will make me happy. And why this is so critical that they they get a sense of belonging from us in their sin is that I think the very nature of condemnation is to feel distant, right? I mean, right after the pleasure of sin is passed and that guilt starts to set in, what's going to be their natural response to that? I mean, maybe you have an exceptional child, but I I don't... My four children, I don't know that any of them have just come enthusiastically to confess sin. I don't know that that's ever happened. Uh, sometimes it's had to be found out. That happened in your house where in the faithfulness of God it's not that they even came and brought it to you but in some way shape or form it came to you. And that's because the temptation is to feel distant and And that could be for some even good reasons in their hearts they 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 truly do feel bad. they know this is going to be upsetting, and maybe they think they're keeping it from us is going to be better than than not, or they're like I used to do, working on a storyline. is there I know they're going to find out about this? Is there a way we can shape it? I remember, oh my goodness, my poor brother, I remember one day. I get home from school and our our hurricane lamp. I don't know if too many people have those in South Florida, but they they used to be heirlooms, and and we had one of those passed down to my mom from her grandmother. And I, the key word is had. We had one of those because it was smashed on the floor, and uh, I, I my my brother was never a good liar. And I mean that in a good way. Like he he was a truth teller. Uh, so. It was obvious, it's obvious he's lying and the poor cat, our poor cat is getting dragged into this story as my brother (laughs) is retelling this and I just said to him, you can try that uh, but I'm not even the one you'll be in trouble with and you haven't done a good job convincing me so I don't think this is going to go over with mom and dad all. And then I, I, you know, I have to ask him this. I, it could have been sincere or he just played it well. He, he called my mom and just started crying. So he he preemptively dealt with her anger before she got home. You know, he kind of, kind of you know, he made it. but he ended up telling the truth. And I think the point in that, again, is, yeah, I get that. I get that. Our kids are like that. They've got to have a sense of belonging. And again, I said something to this effect last night, but in appropriate ways, when they stumble and fall, how can we bring them into our own story? I'm not so unlike you. And again, this is we need the wisdom of God for this, right? Because we're not, we're not trying to communicate to our six-year-old or even our 16-year-old that we're just on the same level. Mom, dad, and child, we're just... No, you are their authority. Y- you are the... God-given authority in their life. And and there is some distinction uh, with that. You know, in our our house, one practical way that looks is uh, with a family of six, I've I've made the same mistake some of you dads have in this question when we're traveling somewhere. And the mistake is asking the family, where would you like to eat? Yeah, it's shocking, isn't it? Like, uh, is there a worse question you could ask? a car full of people because if you ask six people where they want to eat, about how many answers do you get? About six, yeah. So you put that question out there and we'll laugh about it and and I'll let them know. You know, at some point in that conversation we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and let the demarcation of my authority function. Like I'm I'm trying to be reasonable and, and amenable. If you can all agree that's where we'll go, but at the end of the day, I'm gonna stop at that exit, at that place Unless you can all come to some other agreement. But at, at the end of the day, somebody's got to make a decision. That's our job. But what I'm getting at here is they, they, they've got to know that the, when, when they stumble, the gap isn't like this. It's a whole lot closer. It's a whole lot closer. I can relate to you. Their temptation will be to feel distant, to hide, just like us. I mean, if Elijah the prophet runs into a cave after he's convicted over his lack of faith, well, my goodness, I'm probably going to run high too, as will my children. Ah, more could be said here. But, you know, one thing that affects me when I, I think of the, among the other points being made in the, the parable of the prodigal son, even in his worst moment, something in him knew, even though he wasn't thinking completely right something in him knew I can at least go back to my father's house he, even if it's in the form of a servant right you know in that parable he's he's uh, he's at the end of himself he, he at least still had this shred of a thought I can go back of course what he wasn't expecting was the royal treatment that he got but 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 even in his warped and sinful state he, he he understood he could go back. I want my children to know that. that listen, I'm not going to lie to you, son, daughters, and say it's not hurting or upsetting or any number of things when you stumble in sin, but I want you to know you can come home. You can tell us. Uh, that, you know, breakfast I had with Al a couple of years back, uh, the night before was simultaneously one of the hardest, but also one of the best moments with one of my children. Because for them at that point in their life, it was like the biggest thing to, to bring to us. But they did. They brought it. And I think by the grace of God, that, that, that was the beginning of a complete heart transformation. That night in that place, oh man, it was painful but it was good at the same time. Uh, You know, it's a parable. We need to let the parable address what it does and not make it say more. But if we could tease that parable out a little bit, you know, as the father began to discover that all the money was squandered and all this had happened, all that happened, there was probably some disappointment and heartache. But the overarching picture we get there is that he was glad his son came home. and That's what we want to give to our children, a sense of belonging. That leads to belonging and our faith for them. Now again, maybe not your toddler, but as your children are growing, so much doubt, so much worry resides in their hearts. They're bombarded with so many messages And though they may not seem responsive all the time, I I do believe praying with them, praying for them, and as we're praying for them, articulating our faith for them is so encouraging. So, you know, right now, with Paige and with school, uh, you know, she's, like many of your kids have been through or your kids will go through, she's got desires for where she'd like to go to school, and then there's reality, like my wallet, you know, kind of. Those, they don't, have you noticed how desires and realities just don't always go together? Uh, well, that's true in our house too. Uh, but, uh, you know, what she needs, I think, among other things, what she needs to hear from her mom and dad right now is, uh, is our faith for her and also our confidence in God that he's going to, honey, you know, at the end of the day, I really believe the Lord's going to lead you to the right place right where he wants you, a place of blessing for you. That may not be clear to us which which one it is yet, but he's going to do that. You know, affirming words to them. Uh, But but, but not only affirming words, that, 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 that awareness that they're accepted by us. That, you know, honey, whether it's this path or that path, we're with you, we're for you. Yeah, I love in Proverbs how the father keeps repeating the simple phrase, my son, my son, my son. and I think We could insert daughter as well there. But it, it evokes this deep love and af- affection. You know, the son may not always like what his father has to say, but the son, if he's being honest, he'll be able to say, but I, I, I don't always love what my father says, but I know my father loves me. And, and I'm okay with that as a dad. I'm okay with my children not always loving what I have to say. Because, number one, probably sometimes some things I say weren't the right things to say, and there's no reason for them to love that. And number two, remember, sometimes we're trying to sell something to our children that they're not buying. Now, and I don't, just mean, I don't just mean for a child who's not yet a Christian, but our, our Christian children as well. Have you met any 18-year-olds who think they've got life all figured out? You know like they they just they they 've got it all right they 've got all the wisdom they need they don't they don't need you know they don 't need that thought you know they don't need it sometimes we 're trying to sell them things they 're not they 're not buying it and i'm be very careful because i i I would love to just be heaping praise on all my children because there's a lot of reason to do it but but I, I I do know you know for my daughter who wants to study fitness and and, and, and health promotion and things like this. I mean, it's just true. The, the, the fitness center at Florida Atlantic University is way cooler than the one at Seminole State College. It just is. And you know, so she's looking at that, and it's like, you know, the price tag isn't what she's seeing right now. It's the fitness center. I mean, and it is. It's just, it is. It's better. Well, that's a factor. But there might be a couple other factors that we have to think about. But she doesn't need all those factors from me right now. She just needs right now to know, hey, this is really wonderful. You're in a season of opportunity. And let's go to the Lord together to figure out what his will is. Belonging in our faith for them. Finally, as we move to a break here, I feel like for all I've read, and I've read a lot. I've read a lot on parenting. For all I've read, and for all the ways I feel like though I've read all this stuff, it, it doesn't seem to be meeting me in this moment. You ever feel like that? Like, I've read so much on parenting, I've read so much on this or that, and yet here I am facing a situation I'm not sure what to do. I love the encouragement from Second Peter 1. He's not talking about parenting at all, but I think it's all about parenting. He says his divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he's granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now back to that question. What is success in parenting for me? What is success in parenting our oldest child through the college years I don't think the first answer is going to be which college she graduated from. I don't think the answer is going to be what job she has or doesn't have. I think it's going to be she's a partaker of the divine nature. That's success in parenting. And so practically speaking, we're talking about the pros and cons of living near home right now. We're talking about the pros and cons of going away. And we try to be honest about those things. We're trying to lean in. I mean, this is, this is a lie for us right now. I've said, I, and, and sometimes as a dad, I almost feel like I'm having an out-of-body experience. Like when I hear my own voice say to my daughter, you know, I think there could be some good components to you living away from home. It's kind of like, who just said that? Like, what? who who voiced that? Because I just think of all the worst-case scenarios. I'm, it's my job as a dad. I'm just like, sorry to my three girls. It's just the way it is, right? Men are jerks, and I'm one of them, you know? Now I'm kidding a bit, but that's, what I, that's like kind of what I want to convince my daughter of. The reason you should live here is just stay with me forever. I'm cool. <laughs> no. oh, there's so many things that could be good for you to go away. And at the end of the day, I look at a 17-year-old girl and I see evidence that she's a partaker of the divine nature. And there's going to have to be a trust. You know, there's going to have to be a point here of... And, and, and we've had to do that in smaller ways. I mean, it's I felt that way every time I've dropped her off at high school. Like, I look at that building and I see some of the kids going, like, what are we doing? (laughs) This is the worst decision ever. No, no, it isn't the worst decision ever. Because she's come home with stories at times that have demonstrated she's a partaker of the divine nature. She's taken a stand for Christ in the classroom. Evidences. The point of the passage, though, is Lord, you've got, you've got what we need to parent our children. That's what this passage is telling me. You've got what we need. You've got the knowledge. You've got the power. And you've got some great promises. And that through them, my son, my daughters, your children, may become partakers of the divine nature. That's my role, to point them to you right now. Some practical encouragement. The younger you start, the better. Converse frequently, but briefly with your children. Converse frequently, but briefly. I don't mean be in a hurry by briefly, but I mean if if it's a moment where you're trying to impart some truth, some scripture, some pointing them to the Lord, make it manageable. And you're probably, at least dads, you're probably wired like me. In reactionary moments, we want to sit them down and tell them everything we've ever learned, heard, or know about something. It's no. Take your children out. Take your children out. One on one. Now, try, imagine you have a 14 year old daughter. And you've just not made that practice, and then suddenly one day in a reactionary moment, you let her know you're going to start to take her out. Don't be surprised if she's looking at you like, "Well, that's weird." If if, if you've not established the practice, why suddenly all, in a reactionary way is it? So start it early, so that it it's just it's not an unusual thing to continue in the teen years. Take them out, take them out one-on-one. I'm not saying spend a lot of money. Just give them that one-on-one time. There are things your children will say to you one-on-one that they're not going to say around the dinner table. Ask open-ended questions. Oh, my goodness. If there's one thing I feel like I'm learning as a dad right now, it's that. Open-ended questions. Your kids are smart. Your teens are smart. They, <laughs> the, the lead questions, they, they see those coming from a mile away open-ended questions. You're thinking back to to Bennett when he when he told me that the field trip went so well, although he had been building it up in his mind that it wasn't going to go well and, Dad, do I have to go? I had an idea as to why it went well. And my idea may or may not have been right. But just asking that question, so, well, man, that's awesome. I'm glad you had such a great time. Why do you think it was such a good field trip, Bennett? Just an open question, not a was it good for this reason? Was it good because I told you that if you would forgive somebody? <laughs> no. Why do you think it was such a good field trip? And his answer was I prayed before going and I asked God to give me an open heart and he did. I'm like, ah, that's outstanding, Bennett. That's wonderful. Praise God for that. So ask open ended questions, listen a lot. Listen a whole lot. This sort of leads back to the second one, taking your children out one way. Your children are not the same. You've got to get to know each one of them individually, differently. Encourage them. All this is about giving them this sense of belonging. Encourage them. Encourage everything you can. And I don't just mean spiritually. Like, like I think at times... We miss that. There, there's all kinds of things to encourage. I don't think we want to give him the idea that we're only encouraging him. Oh, I see you. You have your Bible. Oh, I see you, etc. Like right now, uh, he's it again. he's a freshman. He was on the varsity soccer team this year, but barely played. And as a 14, 15-year-old, uh, he didn't like that. Shock. He didn't like that he was on a team that he wasn't getting many minutes playing. So I'm trying to encourage him, but man, that's pretty cool. You made varsity. Uh, that wasn't working, you know, because he's still sitting on the bench. It's really cool that you made the varsity bench, Bennett. That's great. It just wasn't blessing him, you know. Uh, but he got through it we, and I said, you know, it's, it's hard stuff. It's hard. It's hard to get on the bus and go travel up to Daytona Beach or over to here, over there, all the while you're thinking. I'm, I'm sitting on the bench. And, and I told him, I said, yeah, quite honestly, when I come to your games, I really would rather you be playing than not playing. But I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to be there, whether you're on the bench or not. I said, do you want to play next year? He said, I guess so. Okay. Well, what do you want to do? I, I want to get playing time. Okay. Well, what do you want to do? I guess practice more soccer. That's great. I said, i uh, I can't help you with that because I am terrible at the sport, but I think you're on the right track. I can tell you, the kid is he is up at our church because we've got, a, if you've ever been to Metro Life Church, we've got a soccer field that doubles as a parking lot, and our house is like three quarters of a mile away. So he gets home from school, he grabs his penny board and soccer ball, and that's what he does. He goes up there and he just kicks and he kicks and he kicks and he kicks. Over and then he, he GoPros it and then he shows me his awesome kick uh, later in the day, which is great. I'm glad he wants to show that to me. But I'm encouraged I'm like Bennett, you are totally going after this. And that's phenomenal. And he had a, a graduating senior, they do a rec league at the church, they just finished it up, and one of the graduating seniors who played on the same soccer team as him let him know last weekend, like, dude, I don't know what you've been doing, but you're a player. And he's ecstatic. And so, encourage the children, whatever it is that, that's worthy of encouragement. I tell them, like, man, that, that's, that's, that's going to pay off in other ways, buddy. That's not just soccer. You, just being diligent to keep going for something. I, he just got his permit. He wants to drive all the time. It's a little frightening, a little annoying, because I'm impatient, but ultimately I love it. He's motivated. And 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 he's he's taken great direction now. My poor wife; she was in the car for the first time with him. We were on our way to the YMCA. She's sitting in the back, and this was now his third time out on the main road. We we live in a, a little subdivision where you can literally you can drive a five mile circle, and and it's a great place to learn how to drive a car. But but to get to the why, we you know we we had to get out there. You know, we had to get up to forty five, fifty miles an hour, and. He's got to start to feel it a little bit. And it was just fascinating because this was my third time with him. So it was a marked improvement but from the first one. But my wife was white-knuckled in the back. Like, she asked me, can you please drive home? I'm like, I thought he did great. Well, you weren't in the car two days ago. He really did great compared to that. But, But, I mean, of course he's going to hit the brakes hard, right? And... He hasn't been driving this car for 10 years. It's just, it's, it's going to be part of it, but we agreed I'll take him out. You don't have to be in the back seat of the car. Uh, let me wrap these up. Express appropriate physical affection. That sense of belonging. Uh, it changes. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's sad, but it's right. And it's normal. So, uh, a couple weeks back, my two younger girls, they share a bedroom. Ellie's up on the top bunk, Anna's below. And uh, I was uh, climbing up to lay down beside Ellie, forgetting she's going to be 12 this year. And she f- so graciously, so tenderly, like, Dad, you can just give me a kiss before I climb up. I'm like, Oh, it's happened, it, it's, it's over. <laughs> she's she's transitioning like I'm, I missed it, and she wasn't saying I don't want your affection or right? just she's just she's getting older. Whereas before she'd have been disappointed if I didn't do that. She's getting older now, and for all I know, probably the last thing she wants her friends to hear is your dad. What you know? Cause, so so we move on. Uh, my my oldest daughter Paige. I mean, when she she was, I am not sure if it's cold or warm blooded. Like when you're always hot, which way is that? You're hot blooded. Okay, hot blooded. I get even when she was 18 months old, she was that way. So before she could even really articulate in words, she'd sort of like if you try to hold her, just kind of push you away a little bit and, and need her space. Uh, so so expressing affection with her has always looked a little different than with Anna and Ellie, who are much more. Uh, affection. Now with Bennett, expressing appropriate physical affection is wrestling because he's 15 and that's, that's how we do it. Uh, and I think that door is closing. I've got about six more months and it, it may have to be something else because he's going to take me. So I need to end it before he realizes he can <laughs> before he can take me. Do an activity together that they pick enter their world. Funny memory to me, uh, I she was younger. I was under the impression Paige liked ice hockey. We used to live in Philadelphia. And we'd get to about 20 home Flyers games a year, about half the season. And I thought she was having a good time. She just didn't have the heart to tell me she didn't like hockey. You know, We finally were like, oh, my goodness. Been... That's an hour drive to the game, an hour drive back, a three-hour game. Like she's given six hours of her life every time we go, something she didn't even enjoy. And, and they're like, oh, okay, well, let's do something else. But like, duh, Dad, maybe I should have been asking a little more frequently. And, and by the way, when they're young, they want, they want your affection. So the first time you ask a question, they're going to give you the answer they think you want to hear. So you've you got to find another creative way to ask that. You know, sort of, hey, if we could go to the hockey game or if we could do something else, what would you? You know, and all of a sudden, oh, it was something else. turns out turns out it was baseball. Uh, so uh, I don't, I don't know that it it, it uh, quite captured. But we used to be Red Sox fans, her and I, because she used to travel with me to visit a, a church in suburban Boston. So her first game was a Red Sox game. So she became a Red Sox fan. So we ate at Boston's in Delray Beach on the way down here uh, the other night. I don't know that she remembered other times we were there, but for her it was baseball. Uh, it wasn't hockey. Uh, we were at one game, and uh, she we're walking the concourse. Uh, I think she liked baseball, but it was the concourse more than if your kids are like mine. It was the cotton candy, the ice cream stops. It was all the stuff around the perimeter of the game, not the game itself, and I get that. Baseball's boring if you're going to go all the time. It's just too long. Anyway, we're going, and we're there, and uh, Ryan Howard, Philadelphia Phillies, he's up to bat. And we're out, we're out in left field in the concourse, said, honey, stop. He's going to hit a home run right out here. Wouldn't you know? He sends a home run out in the left field. Now, she was seven, so she was still young enough to think I was a god in that moment. You know, like I had just said, and it came to pass. Uh, that isn't going to work anymore. But, but it, it was an enjoyable moment at the time. But Bennett's all hockey. He's total hockey. I mean, he and I, it'd be like, dude, you want to make a road trip to Chicago? He'd be like, let's go. Just to go watch a hockey game in Chicago. Pick activities that they pick. Enter their world. Again, I'm not talking about expensive stuff. For Anna, who's seven, it's, it's just having a tea party right now. Which is super humbling for me. <laughs> but it's what she wants to do. Ellie, uh, we picked up this book. Uh, her favorite thing is it's, a, it's called Left Right. You just pick a number and you get in the car and you go. Like if the number 's eleven, you just pick okay, you want to start right or left, left, okay, one, and then the first right, you make a right and then left, and you do, and then whenever the last one is whatever you 're closest to that 's like whatever ice cream place or whatever that 's where you go, you stop there, and it 's just a lot of fun now, totally, we got to have rules because if the place we stop is like the only place is Hibachi, which is going to be sixty bucks. Add a number. We, get, we need another right, or we need another left. or some, but, but it's totally, she loves that kind of thing. Uh, but I don't, Anna's not quite there. That not, good. page is 17. Like, can we just go to where we're going, Dad? You know, she doesn't, she doesn't want to play left, right anymore. It changes, and that's totally normal. Share your story with them. Your kids probably ask already. They really want to know what you were like when you were their age. So share with them. And finally, pray with them. Pray with them, pray for them. You want them to lean in, you want them to feel a sense of belonging, not only pray with and for them, share with them what you need prayer for, even with your young ones. Uh, I think some of the most heartfelt prayers I've ever received have come from my young children as they just pray for you. Well, God, wherever our children's ages are represent this room, Lord when they're when they're young it may seem like it's so easy they do have a sense of belonging they they just lean on us they want us to hold them they're dependent upon us but as they get older that begins to look different we just pray God we pray for every child represented here and we we would we would we would say this lord give me your heart son give me your heart daughter but lord we would pray as well you would show us the things in us that could be obstacles to that, but you'd also show us those things we're doing well, that we could continue to do those things. Lord, we know in this world it is not the natural disposition for our children to grow up and just always want to lean in. We know that. We know that we're, what we're praying for is against the nature of sin. It's against the ways of this world but your divine power has everything to make it possible that as our children grow they would know that in their mom and dad they've they've got the biggest encouragers the most accepting most compassionate people that's who we want to be as their parents by your grace make it so we pray amen